This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Andrew Choi, former director of product at K Health. Andrew, welcome to the MSFS podcast. Thanks, Art. It's great to be here. Great. Thank you for coming, Andrew. All right. Let me set the stage first. So, long, long time ago, 16 years ago to be precise, there was the world before mobile, the time when if you wanted to read news, watch movies, pay your bills, plan your next trip, and so on, you had to sit down at your desktop computer or grab a laptop or op- and open a browser window to go to a website. Then Steve Jobs stood on the stage at the Mac- Macworld Expo in San Francisco to introduce the iPhone. The rest is the history. These days, as a mobile marketing, you expect the bulk of traction for your business taking place on mobile. But that's not entirely true. Today, Andrew will tell you how important our customers' journeys between the web in mobile for your user acquisition. But first, Andrew, uh, let's kick off the conversation with talking about you a bit. What is your background in tech? Well, thanks, Art. So as everyone knows, I'm Andrew Choi, and my career began in the mid-2000s. I still remember working on transitioning legacy Palm OS apps. I'm very curious about who, who of our listeners remembers Palm Pilots. Uh, I was working on transitioning them over to an HTML5 platform that was iOS and Android agnostic. Back then, the iPhone was only out for two years and Android maybe a little bit longer. And ever since then, I've had the good fortune of working on a range of products, e-commerce platforms, ed tech, uh, analytics, SaaS, customer engagement platforms, and most recently in consumer health tech with K-Health. All this to say, it's taught me to be efficiently obsessive about customer growth, customer needs, and how powerful web-to-app acquisition tactics can be. Well, uh, I do remember uh, Palm OS back in the day, um, not, you know, in personal experience, but definitely lots of um, conversation about its, about its potential uh, to be like the third option, uh, the whole uh, range of conversation about the you know virtual keyboard versus a physical keyboard is it the you know iphone is here to stay was it too expensive as steve Ballmer said at the beginning that's there that's no it's no starter because it's going to be history in a few months nobody will buying this thing uh, well the history <laughs> proved that completely the opposite we all living with our smartphones like seven billion um of us carrying um smartphones these days if we can believe the stats yeah. out of eight so yeah we're getting like one phone per per uh, individual on this planet talk about market penetration right yeah exactly yeah <laughs> the internet penetration is not there yet it's like six billion or five and a half i don't know africans and some regions in asia are not covered for sure so um Let's talk about your company for a minute, uh, where you were just um, recently di- the director of product. What is uh, K Health? Sure thing. So K Health is an innovative 
AI-powered platform that diagnoses patients in a matter of minutes. It gets them in front of a medical professional for primary care, mental health, weight loss, even urgent care needs. At K-Health, you can think of our teams as pretty much split into three areas, the patient experience, the provider experience, and the enterprise area. In the patient experience area, I was charged with user acquisition and onboarding. My counterpart was charged with engagement and retention. In a way, you, you could say we were two sides of the same coin. Of course, the provider experience and enterprise areas were certainly cared about user acquisition. And so we had plenty of topics that made it important for all three to stay closely connected. Yeah, that's, um, I've, I've, um, I don't have, I don't have a personal experience of using apps uh, for so-called telemedicine, uh, but I certainly heard about K health is a big player in this area. And, uh, um, as time goes by, um, two things, COVID and the, uh, huge breakthrough in AI gives great potential for platforms like K health to continue to rise and uh, be helpful for so many people, um, on this market. Totally agreed. Yeah. Um, healthcare is the next industry for disruption, as so many people are saying. Uh, so definitely, that's it's a big market uh, to be disruptive for the better. Now, one of the app marketing techniques that have been on the radar for app marketers for a number of years is so-called web-to-app marketing. Andrew, how did it work for the K-Health app? So I'd say that it's worked quite well in raising the awareness of K-Health and driving strong new user growth. It's a powerful technique that requires a few basic things. I'll list them out right now. Natural user entry points, delivering value on the web as well as in the app, prioritizing account creation and attribution tech, and obsessing over the analytics stack. I'll dive into these in more detail now. Mm -hmm. When I say something like natural user entry points, I'm referring to uh, companies out there who need to examine their user's mental model and how those users intuitively approach their job to be done. Think of it like this. Imagine that you're experiencing back pain. Would you expect the majority of people who experience back pain to perform this search in the Google Play Store? Or would they go to google.com? Now, let's say you're a gaming company instead that's launched a new kind of game. There'll be, of course, certain kinds of searches that make sense to create content on the web, or maybe even to invest in search ads. Let's say you've got a, a very unique name, but maybe it's not nearly as impactful as compared to app store advertising and ASO. So the natural user entry points make a big difference and can help you understand how and what to invest, and how to deliver value to users on the right channel to start with. So that leads me to my next point about delivering value on the web, as well as in the app. What did we, K-Health, put on the web? In this case, posts on the K-Health site was what we focused on, and that meant plenty of search engine optimization, SEO work. Our content talked about symptoms and conditions authored by real doctors who deeply know the conditions that they talk about. And the search ad campaigns benefited from a really interesting phenomenon that we found, a sort of halo effect. What happened was 
There were times when we would run campaigns with no SEO content compared with campaigns that had SEO content available. And for those times where we had both, we'd see improved CACs, cost to acquire customers, and a higher than expected users acquired. It would change constantly since, of course, the Google search algorithm changes all the time. But the halo effect meant that we got the benefit of users landing on our site and starting a conversation with our AI or our doctors. It was okay. incredibly powerful. Let me jump to the next one, prioritizing account creation and attribution tech. So this is a real specific reaction to privacy measures like Apple's ATT and MPP, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission's Health Products Compliance Guidance, and the CPRA, just to name a few. Of course, this impacts U.S. consumer health tech pretty deeply, but for any software company out there, you have to work harder now to prove your value to prospects up front, to gain their trust and convince them to create an account with you. It doesn't matter whether you're a SaaS company with PLG motions or a direct-to-consumer company, you still need to figure out and Absolutely. stitch together user journey data as early on in the journey as possible. If our account creation, analytics, and attribution weren't robust, there's no way we could know our ROI, much less be able to perform more sophisticated cohort analyses or uh, to get a sense of how our scaled-up campaigns were performing using technologies like a branch or an apps flyer to support deep linking, being able to measure anonymous versus newly identified users through the funnel is absolutely a foundational piece of web to app user acquisition. The last thing I'll touch on is what I mentioned before about analytics stack obsession. It's great to get the first deployment out the door. You're tracking clicks, you're seeing page views, and maybe you're sitting back and thinking, okay, we're set, we're off to the races. Not so fast. For those uh, racing and autosport fans out there, you know that F1 teams need the driver, the race car, as well as a whole pit crew to keep that car running in tip-top shape during that really long race. And similarly, over the course of your app or platform's lifetime, you have to treat your analytics stack with the same obsessive attention as you do with major feature releases. Otherwise, if a new feature or PLG motion gets deployed and breaks your analytics, you're operating in the dark again with no visibility into your marketing dollar efficiency. So to wrap this all up, marketers who are exploring or thinking about web to app marketing have got to be cognizant of four things. First, do users naturally start on the web? And if so, where? Map out your customer journey and pay attention to how they think about the problem that you solve for. That's your starting point, that entry point all the way at the top. Second, make valuable content or micro tools to help your prospects and convince them to become customers. Test early and often to see what works as far as anonymous users starting the funnel. Every percentage point improvement of conversion this high up makes a big difference further down. Third point, justify the value of creating an account for the prospect. Make that process have minimal friction and maximum value. At the right moments in the cross-channel customer journey, ask for the minimum identifying information necessary so that you're able to respect their privacy and attribute marketing dollars effectively. Consider ways to break up the security process into steps with your engineering team. Get creative and also keep information safe. Last thing, fourth, treat the code that handles creating user accounts, 
merging user event identifiers, firing analytics events, and deep linking as critical infrastructure. Marketing dollars are precious, and they've got to be treated with urgency and importance by everyone from the engineers on up to finance. Yeah, these are great points, Andrew. Um, you know, as I'm listening to you, uh, it occurs to me that um, I used to be part of a, a marketing agency you know, ages ago, uh, seven years by now or eight. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember this... Um, it was a, you know, the the approach back then was to separate uh, the the world of web and mobile. So either you're uh, being focused on driving traffic to your website, if you only go, uh, you know, if you only connect, uh, get connected with your clients through through the web, you're not using mobile. Mm -hmm. In some instances, or you can go completely with mobile as a channel. Uh, your mindset is either doing ASO for um, your uh, app or search optimization for your website. And um, the story was that um, the, the, the holistic approach wasn't there, that in both cases, we're talking about the same people. Uh, in some instances, when they're looking for, I don't know, calculator, specific utility app for doing a small task, they can just pull up the app store and find it there easily. No, pre, you know, no research being done. Um, no, uh, not a lot of uh, searching and um, digging was done before actually clicking uh, download the app on your smartphone. As opposed to things like health uh, and other topics that do require doing research. Uh, quite frankly, how the hell you can do research on the app store? <laughs> how can, <laughs> can you dig up information there? You're, this is the final point for you to get the app. To make a decision, you have to look for somewhere. And that place for years up till this point, who knows what's going to happen with the uh, Bing uh, uh, quite fast. Uh, um, uh, kind of a recap, uh, not a re recap, but trying to regain the number one from Google. But up till now, Google has been the dominant gate to the internet, to every website you can think of this planet. So you're doing the research through doing Google search. And um, if you're not thinking holistically that the same people will be open up Google for doing a research and then open up the app store, downloading the app, if you're not putting both worlds, both parts into the same equation, you're not going to win this game of finding people who will be using your app, who will benefit from your app, and luckily will become your loyal clients, loyal customers, right? Yeah. You know, as you were um, talking about that uh, experience, I think another useful acronym for some of our uh, mobile marketing friends who may not be as familiar with SEO, I'd encourage you to look up two acronyms, EEAT and YMYL. So EEAT stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So you remember I said we created content by real doctors that actually yeah. knew what they were talking about, not some forum on Reddit that was talking oh, about yeah. you know, an incredibly rare disease that stemmed from back pain. It's real people, real expertise, right? That's what's valuable for search. And YMYL, 
That stands for your money or your life. If your app or platform is targeting financial matters, health, life events, that makes a big difference as far as uh, the entry point for your users. Those are the types of content and the types of natural intuitions that your users will steer straight to Google search for. And in that, in those cases, if your app specifically deals with money, finance, health, it makes a lot of sense to go there and invest heavily. Like I said before, you'll want to know the customer journey and what their intuition is as far as entering a customer journey with you is before you invest heavily. It's not for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Andrew. Okay, to conclude, looking back at the K-Health marketing campaigns, if you had a chance to do it over again, what would you do differently? Uh, well, Art, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I suppose the, the easy answer is I, I just wish that we had done aspects of what we just talked about way earlier especially the points about testing attribution and data, decomposing the user account creation process. If we had done that earlier, we could have gotten more time back. We could have ran more campaigns with better attribution and potentially seen uh, even more lift than we did at that point. We also had the opportunity to test other kinds of content. And I do wish that we had executed on some of the other promising content hypotheses to help readers, for example, understand chronic condition treatment, for one thing. Um, I think our strategy was being confirmed. And overall, what we should have done was shifted tactics earlier and tested more frequently. Gotcha. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, the silver lining for every case when you have to look back and realize that there were mistakes, the mistakes were made, that the only occasion, the only way of not doing any mistake is not doing anything. Uh, <laughs> that's that's unavoidable. Um, you Every time you are starting a project, you're doing your best to minimize the number of mistakes you're making, but nothing's perfect in this world, in this universe. Uh, there's always the room for a mistake to be made. And just make sure you as you progress uh, you're analyzing your actions and you're honest with yourself and you're learning on your own mistakes and just minimize them down the road that's it yeah i totally agree and i would say that uh, i've coached pms in the past to change their frame of mind um, it's really easy for us to be perfectionists to want to polish something to to get it right maybe even perfect and so to me, there's a lot of weight underneath that old saying, um, perfection is the enemy of good. Yeah. So for us, I don't think of it necessarily as a mistake. I do think of it as an opportunity cost almost. We could have gotten more done during that time, learned more, gained more. And in those cases, optimizing for speed and good enough it has its own value, especially in a world where maybe you're bootstrapping your company, you're trying to figure out product market fit for your app or your game. Every moment counts, just like every marketing dollar counts. And so you want to get the most at-bats you can. So 
for me, it's almost proven out a certain principle that I think of, which is speed is so critical in these days. Um, it helps you get to product market fit faster. And frankly, it'll just help you learn quicker instead of focusing on things like mistakes or getting it right. Right. Um, now, Andrew, um, having a number of years in product management under your belt, uh, what would you like to change about it the most? Mm. So I, I suppose reflecting back on my career so far, I can break it down into two arcs that lead up to this moment that we're talking about art. It's a story that I want to tell in my third arc going forward that gives me the perspective about what I might want to change. So for me, I've realized that SaaS is incredibly important. So let me take a step back. In my first arc, going back to, all the way to 2004, I learned about what I wanted to do and decided that management consulting was interesting, but product management was my passion. The second arc, starting in 2009, was becoming a great product IC and a budding product leader, working with a lot of great teams. And for example, at K-Health, developing a growth discipline. And so this third arc from 2023 onwards, it's where I'm aiming to be a product executive and to focus on building great teams and a great platform that solves customer problems at scale. And so specifically, I'll go deeper on platforms that help marketers or data analysts get more done to become an expert on their jobs to be done and to help organizations surface insights faster, automate more. Maybe it's through AI or maybe it's through plain old great user experience. Okay, got you. Now, we are transitioning to the second part of the show, which always shorter, smaller, but a bit funnier because we're covering not the topic on the table which we're bringing for the episode, but we're taking this time to go over a few quick questions I ask every guest on the show so people who are listening to us can know my guests a little bit better. Here we go. Uh, what smartphone do you have now? Um, have you been switching between these two giants, iOS and Android, or being on one side all the time? Sure. So I got to say, I love my iPhone 12. Got it right here in front of me. And yet I still dabble in Android. I've got a Samsung Galaxy A13 just to stay on top of things, to keep in the know. Right. First hand experience. Do not trust what pundits are telling you, you know, from the tech blogs. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let's get back in time before the smartphone era. What was your first mobile phone? Ah, so this brings me back. For those of you who know this or maybe want to Google it, I, my first mobile phone was a Qualcomm QCP2760. It's the Qualcomm candy bar from way back in 1999, if you can believe it. I, I actually had to look it up because I, I have no idea where that thing is. I wonder if it even still works. Amazing. Uh, for me, Qualcomm doesn't just doesn't ring a bell as a smartphone pr producer, uh, not a mobile phone uh, manufacturer. It's, um, I don't know, chips for uh, 
mobile electronics, but not actually the company that was manufacturing a smartphone. Uh, sorry, mm -hmm. a uh, featured phone, I would say these days. Yeah, yeah, it's still um, a weird term. <laughs> yeah, it is. I imagine you've left your smartphone at home um, and you're out. Uh, what What's the most missing feature for you at that point? Oh gosh, you know, smartphones can do so many things, of course, but for me, the missing feature hands down would be Spotify. I I love music. I haven't had a separate music player in years. Oh, I I would go nuts without it. <laughs> okay. Uh all right. Next one. Um when you're looking at your iPhone 12, uh you may go like, wouldn't be great if that this thing can do this or that. Hardware software or combination of both. Not necessarily something that uh, kind of a trendy, but just for you specifically, um, could be an existing feature or a new one. Sure. So I suppose the, the tech that I'm most excited about is related to Google's recent announcement at the I.O. event this year. Uh, it was a smaller feature. Some of you might have missed it called Nearby Share, but I think of it as really interesting. If Apple's AirDrop and Google's nearby share could somehow be interoperable, you know, if wishes could come true, then really novel social network and geolocation features could be unlocked. I mean, heck, a lot of the hardware is already there. You know, it's driven off of Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, NFC. The use cases, though, they're just waiting to be unlocked to build safe connections between new friends. I imagine music festivals tech parties, what have you. I'm just excited to see what's next. Yeah, fingers crossed it's going to pan out at the cross-platform solution. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, like WhatsApp for messaging. Uh, and in this respect, the common protocol, if uh, big companies can both try to lure people under their own umbrella to to their own ecosystem but at the same time see the cases where it's actually beneficial for everybody to go with the same protocol and be more connected yeah i totally agree i think um you know i'm sad to see how rcs is still trying to chug along a little bit with google pushing yeah. it and Apple mm -hmm. kind of pushing back so <laughs> i have to say I'm just hoping wishes come true. That's all. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay. Before I let you go, very, very funny question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Well, Art, it's pretty easy. Use my link at bit.ly slash Andrew on BOA. Again, it's cool. bit.ly slash Andrew on BOA. Real simple. Got you. Okay, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you, Art. And that was Andrew Choi, former director of product at K-Health. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, 
head on over to businessofapps.com.